0: Thank mm-hmm. you. This morning comes from first Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 13 here is a trustworthy saying if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer he desires a noble task now the overseer must be above reproach a husband of but one wife temperate self-controlled respectable hospitable Able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect and malicious talkers, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith of Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We rise for the reading of the Gospel.
2: Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and sent Lazarus to that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Please be seated and we invite the children forward for the children's sermon. Grace, mercy, and peace be be to you, you, from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. This is our text. We have to take a time machine all the way back to the year 2013, right? It's another world, and it's there at the opening service of the new school year at Concordia Seminary. The the at the time president of the seminary, Dale Meyer, gets into the pulpit, and I'm there. It's the opening class for the entering class of 20 of 2013, so I'm the freshman there, and uh, we we're all a bunch of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Seminary students ready to get into all of this, and Dale Meyer, he gets into the pulpit, and he says, it is a great time to be in the ministry. That's my best Dale Meyer impersonation, just letting you all know that. Um, You know, I'll I'll always, always remember him telling us that. It's a great time to be in the ministry, then, you know, we're in the year 2022, and looking out in the trends of the world and our culture, it can be discouraging. There was, a, there was a recent poll released by Gallup, and the poll uh, sampled, uh, the results were that only 20% of the U.S. population use, views the Bible as the literal word of God, that is down from... in 2017 when I graduated seminary. So that's four points within five years. And then that means if you were to take a sample size here, that would mean only one out of every five people here would believe that the Bible is the literal, divinely inspired, inerrant Word of God. On the other hand, conversely, We have 37% of Americans view the Bible as just a collection of of fairy tales, a a collection of myths, Uh, and and if you were to take all of the samples of those who were to reject the authority of Scripture, that would be over 50%. Yikes, right? Yikes. Discouraging news, but yet there's more discouraging news. Christianity Today put out a, a State of Theology article. And in that it says that 73% of evangelicals believe that God the Father made Jesus, a belief historically known as the Arian heresy. It is a rejection of the Nicene Creed, and it's a creed that we confess on communion Sundays, where we confess that the Father and the Son are of one substance. It means that they're both God, the one God. And so we need pastors, right? We need pastors and other leaders. We need need them to bring us pure doctrine and the good news of Jesus Christ. But wait, there's even more bad news. The trends in our seminaries. The incoming class for Concordia Seminary St. Louis is only 34, 34 The Fort Wayne Seminary is also reporting a similar slump in enrollment numbers. And the decline in enrollment numbers mirrors the trends in our church body. At the recent NID Pastors Conference, President Allen Buss reported that there are currently 518 pastoral vacancies in the Synod. And that's up from 471 last year. And there are many, many congregations that are just simply not looking for a pastor. And not only pastors, there's a shortage of other called workers as well. Principals and teachers, DCEs, music directors, deaconesses. And we all know the the pain that we've experienced searching for a principal. But look at what you have compared to so many other congregations who are just struggling to find just one pastor. Pastor. Imagine that the seminaries graduate only 60 candidates between the two seminaries, and there are 518 calling congregations. That means this year there would be around 460 congregations who will not get a pastor on call day. Imagine how those congregations feel when they don't receive a candidate, disheartened and discouraged to do ministry. The feeling is like when you receive the news of when a call is rejected that, you know, it's still a good time to be in the ministry. Because here are our Lord's words from Matthew chapter 9. Our Lord says here, he says, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So one thing we can do is follow our Lord's words and pray. You know, let us pray to, to God to increase church workers or those who are interested in church work. And we know God will provide for church workers because he reigns. And because God reigns, we know it is always a great time to be in the ministry. You know, we, must, we must reframe. You know, think of all the opportunities for ministry. Each of these places are opportunities where we can potentially make a difference, an eternal difference. And it's a great time for our church and school. In ministry, we sometimes have to step back and ask ourselves the question, you know, why are we doing what we are doing? To take a step back and reevaluate our priorities, to, to reframe challenges. The theme for our church and school this year is making disciples for life. The Great Commission is the basis of that theme, Matthew 28. You know, and our theme helps us to reassess the priorities of our ministry. You know, our vision statement at St. Paul's is changing lives through worship, compassion, and Christian education. So, you know, why is Christian education so important to our ministry? Because the goal of Christian education is to bring, bring about changing lives, to, to prepare our students for time and eternity to make disciples for life. You know, we want, to, we want to prepare our students to be able to enter all fields of life in every field of study, in every vocation, because we do need Christian tradesmen. We need Christian businessmen. We need co- Christian computer programmers and architects, so on and so forth. And a Christian education brings such a great impact and change to lives far beyond these walls. And that impactful that impactful difference may lead our our pastors and teachers, our support staff, and our volunteers, you know, to identify candidates for church work. We need church workers. You know, and St. Paul says this about our need for pastors, right? Because we we believe through hearing. Um, Paul writes in in Romans, he says, how then will they call on on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You have some beautiful feet, Pastor Copeland, right? You know, got beautiful feet going on here. You know, we need, oh, I heard someone whistle there. Uh, we, need, we need pastors, right? We need pastors to preach the good news of Jesus. men, to tell us our sins are forgiven on account of Christ's death and resurrection, and to administer the sacrament of the altar, and that everything else in our, in, this, in our life of the church flows from what happens at this altar. The noble task also includes called church workers and volunteers. And we need church workers. We need principals and teachers, DCEs and deaconesses. And you know we also need volunteers. You know We need Sunday school teachers and and helpers. We need youth volunteers, Bible study leaders, volunteers for Project Compassion and Gabriel's callers, and others to make disciples for life. It is a great time to be in the ministry. We all have a a role to model the faith and to, to teach students how to succeed in this life, but also to look forward to the life of the world to come. You know, whether our students are from the parochial school or from the public school, the goal at all levels of Christian education is to promote church work and to prepare the best of the best, those with the qualifications here listed by St. Paul, for service in the gospel, to prepare men, qualified men, for the office of the holy ministry, the noble task, and to prepare qualified men and women for all the other offices. Of the church you know how often do we take our students to Concordia Chicago and explore the pre-sem program or other church worker programs how often do we introduce our students to the seminaries well they'll get a taste of what full time church work looks like and what that future looks for them you know and there are many career goals and we must have godly men and women in every station of life here in every uh, vocation for sure and they too make a difference each and every day, bearing witness to Jesus in places pastors and other church workers cannot. You know, therefore we're all baptized believers, and we're all mem- we're all part of the priesthood of all believers. And there's no doubt about that. But as the church, we're facing some hard realities. We need church workers. But remember, it is a great time to be in the ministry, and you know to be. Honest with you, there are a lot of hard realities of being a church worker. A career in the church will not make you a lot of money, and you will not be as successful in this life as your peers. But, you know, I think about that one verse line in the hymn that we just sang um, from the prophet's sons, you know, that um, we consider all but rubbish, and Paul says so as well. We consider the gain of this world rubbish for the treasures that are in heaven and store for us in heaven. And, you know, I won't sugarcoat it for you. Uh, and I have to preface this story with this. You know, not all churches or first, first calls are like this, but there are, you know, difficult places where church workers find themselves. You may find yourself like a friend of mine found himself with a first call and a promise of a parsonage only to find out that the congregation has rented out the, the parsonage and then the, uh, the congregation then sets you up in a small farm shack out in the middle of the country, right? Where barely uh, one person can live in, let alone his ability to have a family. You know, and while the situation isn't the best, it's not the best situation, it's still a great time to be in the ministry because the Lord is good. This pastor, he still makes a difference. He shares the love of Christ with his church and with his community, he administers word and sacrament. He brings the forgiveness of sins. And that's what it's all about, brothers and sisters. You know, uh, he, this pastor changes lives by proclaiming Jesus. And he goes, he visits shut-ins, changing lives. He comforts grieving families, suffering loss, changing lives. He counsels families in changing lives there as well. It is always a great time to be in the ministry when you get to give God's good gifts to his people. You know, we must remember, church workers must be treated with dignity and respect according to their calling. And, you know, St. Paul reminds Timothy later in the letter about this. He says, for scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out on grain and the laborer deserves his wages. You know, it's a great time to be in the ministry because we have a great God. Because the whole point of what we do here is to spread the gospel, to confess what Paul calls the mystery of godliness. As Paul later expounds upon in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, he says here Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. All of this all comes from Jesus. He came in the flesh and dwelt among us. He lived as one of us. And when he was here, he trained 12 men, 12 men to be the first pastors. And he even made the least likely man possible, um, uh, St. Paul, into a pastor as well, right? And Jesus' ministry was vindicated by the Spirit, right? When he rose from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it proved everything that Jesus ever said was true. Everything. He accomplished the forgiveness of sins for all people. Then at his ascension, he tasked the 11 to spread the message to the ends of the earth. And now he's ascended and reigns over his church. And he will provide church workers for the harvest so that all may come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. You know, this is, our, this is our mission at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School. You know, we're so blessed here. We're here so blessed by a dedicated staff that is, and, and volunteers that are Christ-centered and are servant leaders. You know, from our cooks and from our janitors, our aides, our secretaries, our lay leaders, our volunteers, our musicians, you know, those who fold the bulletins, our our teaching staff, our our dedicated youth board that brings Jesus to our that brings Jesus to our youth on youth nights and it's a little bit of an advertisement there for for youth night that's coming coming tonight where we where our students get to learn all about Jesus and all that he has done and we all have we all have a share in this ministry we're all a part of this together even if you're you're only given an offering even if it's only the widow's might you are still changing Lives to the work of this church. And with all these blessings, we just can't be complacent to the needs of the church at large. And, you know, with our own struggles of trying to find qualified men and women for the various positions here at St. Paul's, so we need to pray. We need to pray for the ministry. In the meantime, we are called by the Lord, you know, to pray for workers of the harvest of the field, right? We need They are indeed few, but we pray that God will increase the number of people interested in church work, and we trust that the Lord will provide. And we need to give thanks to God for what we have here already, right? That we have here two pastors. You know, thanks be to God. and We have an excellent senior pastor here, uh, a, a excellent uh, school staff and support staff, lay leaders and volunteers that are all dedicated to bringing Jesus to all people, to our youth, to everybody. And we all have a, a role to play in making. Church work an attractive option for men and women to pursue, and we have a role to encourage our students. You know, identifying their strengths, you know, mentoring them, seeing if they're suited for church work. You know, I was speaking with one of our our teachers this week in the halls, and she identified a student at St. Paul's who works well with young children, and she pointed out that he would make an excellent teacher. You know, we change lives when we point out to our students. Areas in which they excel at, and that they have an opportunity to make an eternal difference, when those strengths are identified with church work. And while here in Paul's letter, he's a, Paul is encouraging Timothy with the noble task as in the office of the uh, office of the pastoral ministry. We're all we all share in that noble task together as a congregation, to encourage others in the gospel and to bring Jesus to all people. And the one way we can do that is by supporting and promoting church work. It is a great time to be in the ministry. Dale Meyer said this because at all times and all places, it is a great time to tell people about Jesus. It is great because, you know, I get to be up here and I have the privilege to tell you. And yes, it is a privilege, right? The pastoral office is not a right It is a privilege. I have no right to be up here. This is a privilege granted to me by Jesus here to speak to you that your sins are forgiven, that Christ died and rose for you, and that you are his, and that no matter the anxieties of this world, whether it be the lack of church workers or the direction of our culture or the uncertainties that tomorrow brings, Jesus is Lord. From the ascension of our Lord to now, it is a great time to be in the ministry because I get to bring these words of comfort to you each and every Sunday. We need to reframe our situation. The, The challenges we face are really opportunities for the gospel to shine. You know, the theme verse for making disciples for life is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission of our risen Savior. And when we listen to the Great Commission, right, let's listen to the Great Commission Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, that, that language is a bit of a holdover from the old, stuffy, K, you know, King James Version, the, the, this regal English that comes out here in the translation of the Great Commission. And we when we hear the word go, we think what Jesus is saying. This is law. This is another thing to put on our boiler, you know, our checklist. Another thing that we have to do. Another, another thing in the sea of things we have to do. But we need to reframe the Great Commission. This, my friends, my brothers and sisters, is pure gospel. For the word "go" here is not an imperative, but really has the force of as you are going about your daily life as you are going about being my disciple, these things will come from you. You will teach and you will make disciples. It is not a choice. You are a Christian and you will do this. But Jesus adds here a promise, right? He adds the promise when he says that he'll always bless our ministry, right, in the Great Commission. He'll always bless the ministry of St. Paul's and that his words will change lives and that he is with us always, even to the end of the age, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so let us rise to the challenges and seize the opportunities to spread the gospel. This work Jesus has entrusted to us, the noble task. Our labor, my brothers and sisters, is not in vain, for we labor for the eternal things. Our Lord will provide workers and whatever whatever else we need, according to his good and gracious will. It is a great time to be in the ministry because we have a great God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the one true faith until life everlasting. Amen.